We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Football Friday, unlike anything we have ever seen before. Here's how it sounded on Thursday night football between the Steelers and the Browns. Eight seconds left. Oh, gosh. Man. Oh, man. Oh, Oh, my goodness. Rips the helmet off Rudolph's head and then eventually swings it and hits him in the head. And then Ogunjobi comes up and hits Rudolph from behind. Beyond words, Joe. Gosh, that's one of the worst things I've ever seen on a professional sports field. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, one of the worst things I've ever seen on a professional sports field. I second that. Never seen anything like this. Couple of hockey examples I will mention later on. It is a football Friday here on Home and Home Radio.com Sports Original. We are brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com, the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker on the road for Army. Uh, preparing for a college football broadcast. But, Ross, the story, everyone has seen the video by this point. Miles Garrett fighting with Mason Rudolph, Steelers quarterback, tears his helmet off, swings it at him, hits him in the head. In my estimation, the most violent thing I've ever seen on a professional sports field, lucky Lucky, lucky was Miles Garrett that he didn't hit him in the head with the crown of the helmet would have ended his career. And in my estimation, could have killed him. That is a deadly weapon with one of the biggest, strongest men in the NFL. Your reaction to Miles Garrett and the fight that is resonating across the country. Well, I think what you just said, Dave, is my first reaction, which is I am so thankful that Mason Rudolph was not hurt more significantly because I'm frankly shocked that he's not. I I would think that a hit on the head from a guy like Miles Garrett with the helmet could number one, have potentially killed him at a minimum, you know, brain damage. I am stunned and I, I guess pleasantly surprised that, Mason Rudolph was not hurt worse because I I would have thought that that would have been much, much worse. So there is no real positive in this situation, but the best thing is that thankfully Mason Rudolph apparently escaped without, uh, you know, any type of serious injury, which is shocking. Like I said, as for the act by Miles Garrett himself, I would agree. I think it's the worst thing I've seen on NFL field. I got to tell you, I'm surprised that it happened. I'm not shocked. Uh, You know, I I was in a situation in a practice one time, and we can get into the details later, where uh, a teammate of mine got my helmet off, swung it at my head. 
and I've often thought about what would have happened if he connected. You know, I see a lot of people on social media saying, how could you ever do that? You know, what is Miles Garrett thinking? He's not thinking. Like, have you ever been in a fight? Like, you're not in a right frame of mind when you're in a physical encounter like that where you are feeling threatened or any type of – you're not thinking at all. It doesn't make it okay. He should be suspended the rest of the year. We'll get into that. But my point is you're not thinking. I'm not shocked. Uh, I'm a little surprised it happened. But to be honest with you, Dave, I'm probably more surprised that – it hasn't happened before or doesn't happen more often because you get a guy's helmet off. You're in that rage. You know, frankly, if, if I was in that situation, I'd like to think, and I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't do it. I'd like to think I wouldn't do it. If I did do it, I'd be wrong. You should never do it. It's a horrible thing, but it wouldn't shock me if I was in a fight and I got the other guy's helmet off if I would swing it at him. He should be done for the rest of the season. I think that the two questions at this point are whether or not the discipline goes into next year, um, which I think is a possibility, but probably not. You know, uh, they are what, you know, 10 games in now. I think he's suspended for the rest of the year. And that's probably it. And that's probably right. It probably times out exactly perfect. The other question, of course, whether or not it's a criminal act, we can get into that. But as for the discipline, I believe Miles Garrett will be suspended for the rest of the year. I think he should. You just can't have that. Uh, I mean, that's a horrible, horrible thing for everybody involved. And like I said, I, I keep coming back to I am so glad that Mason Rudolph is not hurt worse. So thankful and frankly shocked because Miles Garrett is huge. He swung it. He hit him pretty hard on the head. And yet Mason Rudolph appears okay, which is stunning. Garrett's done for the year. I mean, I'm sure he'll appeal it just as a matter of policy, but I would be shocked if Miles Garrett plays football again this season, he shouldn't. He did a horrible thing, uh, which could have had life-altering consequences. And so now he'll have to pay the piper. Ross, am I being dramatic that that could have killed him, that could have caused brain damage, that could have ended Mason Rudolph's career? Not at all. No, you're not being dramatic at all. And I've thought of it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll get into it here, Dave. My second year in the NFL – was playing for the Redskins. We were, um, you know, it was practice. I knew I was on thin ice with the Redskins because I had played bad in the Monday night game. So I was practicing hard. And LeVar Arrington, one of our best players, uh, did not care for it. Told me a couple times I was practicing too hard. I said, LeVar, I, I got to do what I got to do here, bud. And so he came off the edge in practice. And I went to block him. And as soon as I engaged with him, he just started, and the next thing I know, I look at LeVar, and he takes my Redskins helmet and swings like that as hard as he can, and thank goodness he missed. And I've thought often about what could have happened if he connected. I, I believe it would have been life-altering for me, whether that would be 
whether I died or brain damage or whatever, um, you know, that, that helmet's like 10 pounds. And to swing it like that, that violently, it's like a weapon. It's like any other weapon. And if that would have connected with me, it would have been um, it would have been really scary. Just as a side note, Dave, they came over and broke up that fight. They pinned our arms next to, you know, so that we couldn't get our arms out to break it up. Somehow, while we were pinned, LeVar got his right arm out. And LeVar hit me with a right cross. My arms are pinned, can't defend myself. Right cross, right to the side of the head over here. Pretty much just started kind of gushing from my ear onto my white redskin shirt and onto my pants for the rest of practice. And uh, what ended up happening was I went back out there, finished the rest of practice, came in after practice, and um, they had to give me four stitches in my ear because he split my ear up there. And then they wanted to x-ray my right hand because my hand was so bruised, even though I had a glove on, from punching him in the helmet that they actually thought that I might have broken my hand. Um, and just a funny aside, I'm 23, Dave. I call my wife on the way home. She was my girlfriend at the time. And I ask her how her day at work was. And she's like, oh, it was not good. At lunchtime, Jessica said, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, 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 whatever. Right. And then she said, well, how was your day? And I was like, well, kind of a tough day at the office. Uh, LeVar swung my helmet at me. I almost died. I got four stitches in my ear. Coaches were pissed because I lost the fight. Got my hand x-rayed uh, because they thought I broke it, and it's killing me right now. But tell me more about what Jessica said at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that probably gave her some proper perspective on that story. It just stopped her in her tracks. She didn't keep going, right? No, no, no. Okay, no. Right. And that was she probably said not and that was probably not right of me to do. You know, she didn't know what happened. But it's just funny to think, like, I'm 23. Like, that was my job. She's working for J.P. Morgan. Like, that's her job. And I call her after work, and I said, how was your day? I said, oh, kind of a tough day at the office. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, it's funny, but that's true. So I got to tell you, Dave, I am I'm not surprised that he swung the helmet. Like I, I I'm not that I'm surprised, but I'm not shocked. I, I'm actually surprised it doesn't happen more often. Like, and I'm not surprised Lavar swung my helmet at me. Like, I don't know how many people on Twitter have been in fights or not, but like, when you get to the point where you are punching someone else. And they are trying to physically injure and hurt you. And you are trying to physically and injure them. There is no, like, there's no thought for this isn't a good idea. I shouldn't do this. Like, you, your primal right. instincts as a human being take over and you do things that you wouldn't otherwise ever do in any way shape or form in life again that doesn't condone what miles garrett did not at all he's going to be disciplined heavily he should 
He should be suspended. But I see all these people on Twitter saying, what was he thinking? How could he do that? Number one, he wasn't thinking. Number two, he did that because when you're in a fight, you are in a totally different frame of mind that evidently most people can ever conjure. Based on Twitter, a lot of people have clearly never been in a fight. And that's okay. It's good It's good that you've never been in a fight. But, like, it, it's a it, – it's all bets are off. It's it's a fight. Like, it's just – I'm surprised how many people don't realize what you're capable of when you're in that situation. Not entirely clear what initiated the situation. What did Mason Rudolph do? There are some photos that lead to some questions, but it was strange that there was eight seconds left in this football game, a game that had already been won 21 to seven that Miles Garrett would have been elevated to that level of adrenaline. Who is Miles Garrett? One of the first things I thought of was recall Miles Garrett sucker punched in the face by someone pretending to be a fan wanting to get a selfie in his car and Miles Garrett didn't even react, didn't run down and beat the living hell out of this fan like I might have, like Ross Tucker may have. So this is not clearly his nature. He is not a violent guy off the football field, but to Ross's point, all bets are off in the heat of the moment. Two incidents came to mind for me that were criminal, and I'll tell you why this is not. Both of them were in the NHL. Todd Bertuzzi, for those of you that are hockey fans, charged with criminal assault, causing bodily harm for ending the career of the Colorado Avalanche's Steve Moore. Also, Marty McSorley, another NHL player, found guilty of assault with a weapon, sentenced to 18 months probation for slashing Donald Brashear with a stick to his head. Those are the two most violent incidents I've ever seen in my sports journalism, sports fan career. Those were criminal because they both happened in the same city, but more importantly, in the same country, Canada. They both happened in Vancouver. Canada does not have protection for athletes inside the arena, inside a stadium, inside a field. Here in the United States, we do have those protections. So no, to answer James Harris, and that's assault at the least. You may like it to be, it is not criminal. How about the context of who Miles Garrett is, Ross? How much should that play in? And what can you tell us about that, the type of character that he possesses? Well, here's the thing, Dave. I didn't think, I had no idea he had this in him. You know, one of my concerns about Miles Garrett during the pre draft process was that the guy is like really into poems. He loves writing poetry. He loves dinosaurs. He's like a dinosaur historian. And just listening to him talk and his interests during the pre-draft process, I just couldn't think of any, you know, defensive linemen that were really like him. And I think it's twofold, right? Number one, I didn't know he had it in him. And on some level, in the sport of football, that's a positive. He obviously went way, way, way too far. But the fact that he has 
that in him tells you that he's a lot more aggressive, physical, violent, all those things than I thought. And secondly, boy, you really cannot judge a book by its cover. You know, anything a guy does or any way he behaves or acts outside the field has nothing to do with what they are inside the field. And I'll tell you, Dave, um, you know, I can remember during my fourth or fifth year in the NFL, our center uh, for the Bills, uh, Trey Teague, told my future father-in-law, we were engaged at the time, that uh, I was the meanest guy in the league or at least the meanest guy he had ever played with. Um, I don't think anybody that knows me, my friends, they don't look at me like that. You know, I'm kind of a happy-go-lucky, big goofball, whatever. Uh, But when I played football, uh, I just – I just was different. I don't know how to describe it. I didn't I didn't really think it was fun unless I was out there trying to physically punish people. I felt like that was the way the sport should be played. I never tried to injure anyone intentionally. Uh, actually that's not true. I did once for sure. But I didn't I didn't really try to injure people often. There's a kid from Colgate that was really annoying me. Um, but in the NFL, I never tried to injure anybody, but I tried to physically hurt them and punish them every play. I mean, that's the game. I want to hit you so hard that it hurts. I want to drive you into the ground such that it hurts. So I guess I should have already known that you can't really judge a book by its cover because I'm sure people uh, were surprised at how a guy that went to Princeton played in, in my case. Uh, but Miles Garrett just totally reinforced that because some of the concerns I had during the pre-draft process, um, you know, he totally alleviated those. And now the concerns are actually on the opposite. You know, he gets too many roughing the passer penalties. He gets too many. He puts himself in this position where he's going to be suspended. He's going to lose all the money for the rest of the year. And the Browns had a chance to have some momentum for the rest of this year. That's going to be gone now. He's their best player by a lot. Um, and so now the concerns I had were, I do a total 180. Now he's like a liability out there on some level. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It is Boston versus Philly. It is W-E-E-I versus W-I-P on Home and Home today. Let's break it down with John Marks from W-I-P in Philly. Michael Bonansky, W-E-E-I in Boston. Mutt, let's start with you. Why does Philly suck? 
they suck because I'm still scarred uh, from the Super Bowl. A couple years ago, Super Bowl, Minnesota, sitting right next to John Marks and the WIP team. And it was all these uh, Vincent Papali wannabes, all these extras from the Invincibles chanting, fly Eagles fly for hours on Radio Row. They suck because I'm still <laughs> scarred. I still hear that in my brain. They were chanting that at John's show all afternoon. Uh, I, I can't get over it. I'm sorry. That's a me problem. I understand that. But those people are crazy, Briggs. There's no doubt. And, and John, I, I think I know you well enough and the people of Philadelphia, you're never going to get over what happened a couple of years ago either. How much is just this week and the Eagles playing the Patriots bringing back all those fond memories? You guys are used to having Super Bowls up in Boston. You're used to every year going to Radio <laughs> Row and having your broadcasts. We're from Philadelphia. We have no idea about that. So when we got to the Mall America two almost two years ago now, half of Philadelphia came. And you're right, outside of Radio Row, you know, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, Patriots suck, Patriots suck. And... Somehow the Eagles won that game. I mean, I think the first Super Bowl that the Eagles were going to win had to happen with a backup quarterback that outplayed Tom Brady in that fashion. So all week, I mean, really, in two years, all we've done is is recap the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Because last year was 9-7. and seven. You guys went back and won another Super Bowl. You're used to that. We're not. So we relive the Super Bowl because we have a team right now that's teetering on making the playoffs or not. So, Mott, here's my question, because I've watched a bunch of Patriots games. Are they good? Like, how good are the Patriots? It's the defense making plays. I think it's the worst O line they've had. Uh, Brady's throwing the ball away every play. Like, are the Patriots good? They are good, but they're definitely overrated, Ross. I mean, you're talking about a team that uh, just a couple of weeks ago people were saying had one of the best defenses of all time. Uh, it's a team that has a hard time running the football. It's a team that, as you said, the offensive line without Isaiah Wynn, he's been banged up, has been an issue. They're good, but they're overrated. What they still have is Tom Brady. When you watch these quarterbacks, you watch Mason Rudolph last night, we'll watch a million of them this weekend. Hell, Carson Wentz is one of these guys. Week to week, there's an inconsistency with Brady off the bye and this offensive talent. You know he's going to show up. And that's what's sort of holding it together right now, that it's been Brady and the defense. I mean, this defensive secondary is as good as any defensive secondary in football. Stephon Gilmore is playing at an all-pro level. And so the schedule has not been great. The last thing we saw was Baltimore uh, running up and down the field and out coaching, out playing the Patriots. They're good, but let's say a little overrated. I think that'd be my take on the Patriots right now. John, what does this mean for, for Carson Wentz? If he loses it, are you going to hear that more and more? We let go of the wrong guy. No, you're not going to hear that. I mean, obviously, you're going to hear it from some people out there. And, and we still get – I took phone calls yesterday. You have maybe three people a day if you're doing a heavy Carson Wentz talk. That's going to call in and say Nick Foles should have been the guy. Uh, but reality is Nick Foles didn't even play a quarter down in Jacksonville. He's never been able to stay healthy. He, he, he's an unbelievable player. I love Nick Foles. I wish there would have been a way for him to stay. But Carson Wentz is an, is, has, the, has the possibility of being an elite quarterback uh, in the NFL for a long time. So if he loses on Sunday, I, you know, losing to the Patriots is one thing. Losing to the Seahawks the following week is another thing. Getting beat by Dallas the second to last week of the season, if that means winning the NFC East, that's an entirely another conversation. But to your point, Carson Wentz has got to start winning some of these games and the excuses surrounding them. Because right now we have what they call Wentz protectors in Philadelphia. You have guys that no matter what you say about Carson Wentz, he's not allowed to be criticized. Whether it's the wide receivers, that's the issue. The offensive line, even though they've played very well this year, they've been the issue. So you have a large pocket of people in Philadelphia that are over the top and protecting Carson Wentz. But 
as you lose games and as you don't have success and the further you get away from that Super Bowl, the more people are going to kind of go over to that side of saying, well, maybe you didn't keep the right quarterback. John, you got to give me an update on something because you're down there. Uh, the Eagles are coming off a bye. And yet somehow Alshon Jeffrey got hurt. And they're working out Jay Ajayi right now on a Friday, which makes me wonder if maybe Jordan Howard's hurt. He's been listed as limited in practice, and maybe they'll sign him. How did the Eagles starting running back and best wide receiver get hurt during the bye week? What is going on? Well, let's start with Alshon Jeffrey. He's 29 going on 49, right? If you watch him play, it looks like he's really in his last years. He's not even 30 yet. He was actually injured in the last series of the last game. I heard his calf. So he hasn't practiced. He didn't practice yesterday. I actually don't even want him to play. Um, I, I would rather have him fresher or healthier for the, the following week against Seattle because I don't need him going out there with a calf injury to where he goes out and he plays 70 plays and then he re-aggravates it and he, he can't finish the game out. It's a tricky injury. So that's Alshon Jeffrey. He didn't practice yesterday. I don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. Jordan Howard hurt his shoulder. And this kind of came out. It wasn't even mentioned in the game, but it kind of came out this week. And it was like, oh, well, he's limited, limited participant on Thursday. I feel a lot better about Jordan Howard player playing just because he was limited, but he did practice. Darren Sproles popped up yesterday on the injury report. He didn't play. He didn't. He didn't. Wasn't, he practiced on Wednesday. So he practiced on Wednesday. Something must have happened. He's got a quad injury that didn't allow him to practice yesterday. He's not the lead back, but he is a guy that's a special teamer and is a third down back. And I think that's the biggest reason why they worked out Jay Ajayi. I think the Sproles injury is significant and the fact that Jordan Howard is limited with a shoulder injury. Like you saw with James Conner last night, he's one hit away from being out of the game. So they want to bring a guy in here that is familiar with the offense. But Ross, to your point, it's not good. You know, I'm going to sit here and, and make a case for how the Eagles are going to beat the Patriots, and I believe that they can. But if you're missing out Sean Jeffrey and you're missing one of your top two running backs, and you're talking about a wide receiving core that stinks, how are you going to score points? You, know, you need to score points to win in the NFL. I know that they're not the 2017 Eagles with scoring points, but without Jeffrey and without Howard, you're in big trouble. Yeah, I'm with you, John. The only thing I would say, and Mud, I want you to chime in on this, even if Alshon Jeffrey did play, if Belichick put Stephon Gilmer on him, he wouldn't catch a pass the whole game. I mean, I mean, he really wouldn't. And I don't know, Mutt, if you guys have been talking about it, but I kind of envision on third down, I, I've seen Belichick do this. I was there when he did it once. I picture him putting the straight-up vice on Zach Ertz. I can almost guarantee that Zach Ertz will not catch a pass on third down. Mutt, do you see it playing out that way? Yeah, it's interesting. Like when John talks about the, the Howard injury, to me that's the most significant one. It's more significant than Jeffrey because – the way you beat the Patriots this year is run the football. Because in the old days, Belichick almost goaded you into running the football, begging you to run because he knew Brady's going to roll out of bed and score 30 points. Their offense is not that good right now. So if a team like the Eagles pounds the ball at Jordan Howard, wins time possession 2-1, to one, they have the advantage. If they can't do that, that is big time in the Patriots' favor. And you talk about the receiving core that we saw in the Baltimore game, man. Those tight ends, Boyle and Hurst, and to a lesser extent, Andrews, they torch the Patriots. They're good against the run. Their linebackers are slow against the pass. It's Zach Ertz and Goddard, man. Those two guys, to me, are the two guys the Patriots have to focus in on defensively. Gilmore, Ross, the, the example I've been making recently is Ty Law. Like, he's the best cornerback they've had since Ty Law. He takes away one side of the field. 
And Belichick can use him on wide receivers, use him on tight ends. Uh, he's used him everywhere. And he can erase a guy. That's what he's done so far this year is erase players. And so I'm with you. Zach Ertz could see some uh, Stephon Gilmore on third down. And Goddard, to me, is the other guy. Good receiving tight end. I think he's going to have uh, uh, the Patriots' uh, defensive schemes looking his way. He's a little secret weapon, I think, for that Eagle offense. All right, we're previewing Pat's Eagles with John Marks, WIP, Michael Butnansky, WEEI in Boston. Enough of this civil crap, and I hope we can get into, you know, lobster rolls versus cheesesteaks, Boston versus Philly, but hopefully some smack talk now will give you both the chance to say why your team kicks the other's ass, and John, we'll start with you, and then Mutt, you respond. Yeah, strength of the Eagles, Dave, is running the football. And weakness of the Patriots, Mutt mentioned it, is stopping the run. So we know that the passing game, because of their wide receivers, isn't necessarily great. But if you're talking about what the Eagles can do, their offensive line has been mauling people recently, one of the top offensive lines in the league. So you run the football. That's what you do. You run the football. You set up third down, third and short. And then from there, you protect Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz got to make some plays. He's going to make something out of nothing here. Obviously, you're going to use Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. You're going to try to, but you're going to run the football. And Carson Wentz is going to have to make plays. He's been excellent on the third down. He's been excellent in the red zone. Can't settle for field goals. When you get in there, you got to get touchdowns. They've been excellent in the red zone. And then from there, that's the offense. What do you got to do on defense? Again, strength against weakness. Weakness of the Patriots, offensive line. Strength of the Eagles right now is getting to the, getting to the quarterback from their front four. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham has been great. Brandon Graham might be having the best season of his career so far. Um, so I look at strength and weakness. Offense, strength for the Eagles, weakness for the Patriots. Same thing with the defense. Get to the quarterback, get Tom Brady off his spot. And that's how you're going to win the game. You're going to win the game by exploiting their weaknesses with your strengths. And here's the other thing. Since Doug Peterson's taken over as Eagles coach, in the 30 games at home, Lincoln Financial Field, they're 23-7. and seven. So don't get behind early. Get that crowd loud. Make them somewhat predictable in what they're going to do on offense with Tom Brady. And that's the formula. And honestly, I think the Eagles match up very well against the Patriots right now. And I, I, I firmly, even with the injuries, even with the injuries that are going on right now with the Eagles, I firmly believe the Eagles are winning this game because the Patriots haven't played anybody. Mutt mentioned it earlier. You beat the hell out of the Steelers to start the, the year. That was a good win. You lost to the Ravens. In between, you have a bunch of tomato cans that you're playing without quarterbacks, without really anything else. So the the record, the overall record of the Patriots, yeah, it's very good. But who have they beaten? This week, they're actually going to play a team that seems to be on the rise as we speak right now. This is a not an easy win for the Eagles, but this is a win for the Eagles. I believe that. Mutt, your rebuttal? Well, I, I mean, he's right about the strength of schedule. The Patriots haven't played anybody, but, I mean, the Eagles don't have anybody in the secondary. Like, I, the, my big thing all week for this game is that Tom Brady is going to turn back the clock. He's seen Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson and these young quarterbacks light it up. Brady's throwing for 400 yards against this no-name secondary for Philadelphia. And, and John talks about the pass rush. That's great. Except you're playing a quarterback who gets the ball up before you can blink. It's going to be short passes to Edelman, short passes to Mohamed Sanu. James White's going to have a huge game. And Belichick is, uh, fortunately for Doug Peterson and company, one of the smart coaches that will look at Philadelphia's run defense and say, we're not going to bother. They're one of the best run defenses in the NFL. We're going to throw, throw, throw. And they have the personnel and they have schemed to do it. Against Baltimore, 
Got lost in the shuffle. 52% of the time they went no huddle. They're going no huddle against Philadelphia. They're keeping the, the slow defensive players in the field after first down. And Brady is going to carve them up because Maddox and Darby and these guys, they can't cover Marks. They can't cover Tucker. They can't cover Briggs. <laughs> they won't be able to cover these guys in the secondary. And they're, they're well coached. They have a good quarterback. But their secondary stinks, and Brady exposes them coming off the bye this weekend. It's the, it's, I'm more confident about that than anything. It's not going to be a blowout win by any means, but in the end, Brady is going to have a monster, monster day. It's the reason why 80% of the bets right now in Vegas are on the Patriots, because they see what I see. Mm. The Eagles have no secondary, and Brady finally getting some guys back, including Nikhil Harry, the rookie first-round pick out of Arizona State, expected to play this weekend. They've raved about him the last couple of days in practice, and he's another guy the Eagles can't cover. They can't cover him. Dude, Tom Brady's slow ass could cover me, man. I am old. I am in pain. <laughs> I am slow. I am out of shape. I got nothing left. All right. Cheesesteaks v. Lobster Rolls marks. I mean, cheesesteaks. Here's the reason why. You can go. Everybody, when they come to Philly, they want to eat at one of the, we call them tourist traps. Uh, Pat's, Geno's. They're good cheesesteaks, don't get me wrong. But the thing about a cheesesteak in Philadelphia, in South Jersey, in Delaware, in the Philly suburbs you can get a great cheesesteak at any pizza shop. You can go to hundreds of places and get a great cheesesteak. I don't know if you can do that in Boston in New England, right? Lobster rolls, yeah, I'm sure they're pretty good. Can you go to a pizza shop and get a lobster roll that's as good as any as you can get anywhere else? I think not much overrated the lobster roll. That's what I would say. Oh, the cheesesteak with the cheese whiz. I mean, what, what are we doing here? We're going up to Maine. We're going to Wells Beach, Maine, right on the water. You get the uh, lobster roll with the bacon bits, the buttered roll, little mayo inside. You want to dip it, you can do that. Uh, your cold beer on a summer afternoon in Maine is much better than a pizza shop cheese whiz cheesesteak. Why are we debating this? This is not even a debate. I wouldn't want to get anything in a pizza shop besides pizza. A cheesesteak? Come on. Come on. All right. So uh, you guys are both going to go crazy on me here. All right. Uh-oh. I, I I don't love either one of them. I, I I I John's like looking at me crazy. <laughs> I so I don't know why, but I I love chicken cheesesteaks, and I've always had chicken cheesesteaks. I don't know what that means, and I'm kind of allergic to lobster. And they put like what what is that like what do they put in their mud? Is it like mayonnaise or something? Yeah, they so, take the lobster, they take the lobster meat and they mix it up with some mayonnaise, some spices, some bacon bits. What how is that bad? Uh I'll, I'll tell you how it's bad. Because mayonnaise is foul. Okay. Mayonnaise is foul. I'm an anti-manite. Nobody should ever have to have mayonnaise or anything. It ruins <laughs> the lobster roll. So I'm team cheesesteak and I'm team Philly. Go Eagles! You stink, mutt. <laughs> I agree. How do I debate with that? that I mean, come on. That is Wait. some passion. Mutt and Marks, it's been a lot of fun on a Friday. WEI versus WIP, Eagles versus Patriots. We hope you're wearing the other's gear on Monday, depending <laughs> on who wins this game, fellas. We appreciate the time. Enjoy the game and the weekend. You too, guys. Thanks. Thanks, guys. You all know about the jersey swap. In fact, it's been going on since the 1930s in the sport of soccer between England and France. You've probably seen it in the NBA and the NFL with game recognizing game, typically two of the best players on their respective teams trading jerseys after the game. But with Monday being Veterans Day, a jersey swap, like frankly, 
We have never seen, not to my knowledge, in all of professional sports. It was between Portland Trailblazers superstar Dame Lillard and an American hero. He's with us today. Army Sergeant First Class Michael Ramage did a jersey swap with the Blazers star. And Michael joins us today on Home and Home. Good to see you, sir, and thank you for your service. It's Ross Tucker. I'm Dave Briggs. Tell me how this came about, a jersey swap between you and American Hero and a Portland Trailblazers superstar. Hey, good morning, fellas. Uh, well, I'm no American hero. I just, uh, I'm in the army and do my job. Uh, I got on social media, uh, probably two months ago after I got some courtside tickets from my uncle. Um, and I was like, wow, you know, I watched, uh, Dwayne Wade last year go around and do his kind of his retirement circulation with all the teams and trade and swap jerseys. And I was, and I thought here, I have these courtside tickets. You know, this is kind of a whimsical idea, but uh, I'm going to reach out to Damian Lillard on Instagram and kind of say, hey, I'm retiring from the military after 20 years of service. Would you be interested in trading my uh, army top for your game jersey? And I just threw it out there. He's got like, you know, six, seven million followers. I didn't think it was going to happen, of course. Uh, and after like five minutes, I got a reply from him. And it was just one word. Absolutely. Um, and that was probably six to eight weeks out before the game. And then the closer the game got, uh, I, I reached out again, there was nothing, reached out a couple more times, there was nothing. And I uh, went to the game, um, walked into, you know, probably went there about 4 p.m. to watch the shoot around and hopefully, you know, get his attention and say, hey, is this happening? Uh, I, I got courtside with my wife and he was sitting on the other side of the court, um, just talking with his coaches, I guess. And I, I go, hey, Dame. And my wife my wife was like, shut up. Act like you belong in these seats. So uh, it, it was pretty surreal. I went over to the security guard and I said, hey, on Instagram, we, we talked to each other. And he said he'd do uh, the swap. So he went over to him, kind of whispered to him, uh, you know this guy? And he, he looked over and I showed him my uniform. And he goes, I got you, man. So it was, it was crazy. Michael, that is awesome. Uh, I wanted to start by just echoing what Dave said. Thank you so much for your service and congratulations, 20 years. That's awesome. My grandfather was a sergeant for a long time in the Army. That's amazing. And I got to tell you, man, I'm not sure if that happens if you're not as aggressive as you were even once you got to the stadium. I, I, I think you had to yell. You had to go to the security guard. I applaud you for not being shy, man. I think that, you know, people get a lot of incoming social media stuff. He might have forgotten it. Right. I, I was because he never reached back to me. But also it, I, I was worried it got lost in the mix because so much time had passed. Um, and I'm sure people sit there on, you know, and reach out to him all the time, wanting something from him. And I didn't want to I didn't want it to be tarnished or you know by bothering him all the time so i kind of let it go um and and when i got there he i, I believe his security guard his personal security guard uh, uh is a service member so or a retired service member with 15 years in the air force so he uh has a special appreciation for uh our military vets and service members and that's why he initially said yeah i'll, I'll do that um 
which means a lot. Shout out to Damian Lillard for even like acknowledging my question, giving me the time of day, because I know he probably gets people wanting something from him all the time. And it wasn't really about wanting anything from him. It was being able to experience that moment that, you know, the professional athletes get to experience. And that's that, that Jersey swap. And I've never seen it done before. I've seen, you know, some players out on the court or the field take off their top and just give it to somebody in, in uniform, but I've never seen the swap. And that, and that was like the idea. And, um, it just, it just happened when he was doing his post-game interview across the, uh, the, the court at the end of the game, he had his headphones on and he kind of looked over at us sitting there and he, and he gave an acknowledgement again. Hey, I have you. Uh, and he took him off and started walking towards my wife and I, and I was like, this is, this is really going to happen. Yeah. This is Army Sergeant First Class Michael Ramage. Uh, part of your retirement, you served three tours in Iraq, one tour in Afghanistan. And to do this jersey exchange exchange with Dame Lillard, one, what does it say about him? Two, what does it mean to you? It says everything about Lillard and the type of uh, person he is, the type of player he is. He, he I mean, I, I still can't believe it. The whole moment was kind of a blur. The week's been crazy, but it, it's all because of him just giving like 10 minutes out of his time to uh, just acknowledge uh, the military in general, which which is huge. And uh, not just the military, but me as an individual. Um, it, it's amazing. It means something so much. Just besides getting the jersey, it means uh, I, I have that moment. It's tangible, you know, so forever that jersey is is going to be framed with the picture of us holding our, our uh, my uniform top and his uh jersey together uh i heard he was going to put it in his trophy room at his mom's house in lake oswego and, and that's that's crazy uh like i said i'm i'm no hero i i did serve three tours uh in iraq and Afghan one in afghanistan but so many other vets are out there and service members are out there that have done amazing things i'm no i'm no uh special soldier um i'm i think i just asked and that's why you know i, I ended up with the jersey a lot of people don't even ask so it was a whimsical idea that you know came true and last quick question is you're going to be part of another retirement tour carmelo anthony is now joining your portland trailblazers are you happy about that yeah we'll see we'll see uh <laughs> portland I, Portland has just had this long history of, uh, they've hit some rough roads. Uh, I think Carmelo has a couple, you know, maybe a season or two left in his tank. And uh, that might be the piece of the recipe that uh, Portland needs to, you know, there's, they're riddled with injuries this year and they need a, uh, a big guy to get in there that can hit a mid range. So I'm pretty excited about it. Maybe you can get yourself another jersey, buddy. They're four and eight. They could use the help. Thank you for your service. Army Sergeant First Class Michael Ramage. We appreciate the time and, of course, the service to our country. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Great to have you, sir. Will Colin Kaepernick get hired by an NFL team? The Kaepernick Combine, as some are calling it, is just a day away Teams that are coming, Redskins, Cowboys, Broncos, Patriots, Falcons, Bengals, Lions, Dolphins, Giants, Jets, Bucks. Two added yesterday, 49ers and Seahawks. The latest reporting is that Mike Jones, USA Today, good friend, reporting that Jay-Z 
is the one that pushed the commissioner to make this happen. Dan Patrick says this morning that he also confirms he pressured the commissioner to make this happen because, in Dan's words, Jay-Z felt his reputation took a hit from joining the NFL. So, two songs, and I want you to decide which one surmises the situation for Jay-Z. Does this add to Jay-Z's 99 problems, the way this has been perceived, that is a PR sham by the NFL that Jay-Z is now attached to, or another Jay-Z song, Show Me What You Got? Is this good on Jay-Z that he is the reason Kaepernick has a chance? You know, Dave, that's an excellent question. And I think it is good on Jay-Z, but I'm not really the one that it seems like whose whose opinion matters on this, right? Uh, we've heard from Eric Reed. We've heard from Malcolm Jenkins. It seems like a lot of the players, especially a lot of the players that are active in some of the social justice movements, it seems like they think it's a sham. They're not real keen on it. So if they feel that way, I think that a lot of their supporters, a lot of their followers are going to feel that way as well and that it probably won't be a real good thing for Jay-Z ultimately. I personally think, how can it be a negative that Jay-Z is using his influence to try to get Colin Kaepernick any opportunity to get in front of NFL teams, but the way the world works these days, Dave, which is really sad, it seems like he'll still get criticized for this, even though he's trying to do a good thing for Colin Kaepernick. I'm torn on this because, yes, Jay-Z did a good thing in getting Kaepernick an opportunity. The Kaepernick combine does feel a little bit like he got played a bit by the commissioner. Sure, Jay-Z, we'll do what you're asking. We'll give Kaepernick an opportunity. We'll call him up on a Tuesday, give him two hours to say yes to a situation that is a no-win situation for him on a Saturday. No coaches, no GMs can show up, doesn't have a whole lot of heads up, probably doesn't get to handpick the way this would go down. I I don't know if this reflects well on Jay-Z in the end. I think he's going to end up on the wrong side of it. And yes, it's a hard knock life, probably fits in the end. So we're now we've incorporated three Jay-Z songs. What's the end result of all this, Ross? Well, I guess the end result then would be the NFL could say they did what they could. Jay-Z will say he did what he could and nothing will end up happening. I, I kind of feel like at this point, you know, think about what Goodell did here to be the driving force behind this workout, Dave. I mean, he very clearly knew that it was basically bringing up all of the Kaepernick stuff again, all of the kneeling, all of the polarization. Uh, There was some risk for Goodell to do this. You know, nobody was really talking about kneeling or the anthem or Kaepernick anymore, not much at least. He brought it back to the forefront again. I kind of think he wants it to happen. I I, kind of think Goodell wants him to get signed at this point so that people don't think the NFL is colluding, so that people, I think that that Goodell thinks Kaepernick getting signed would go a long way towards ingratiating the NFL with the people that said they're never watching it again after Kaepernick 
you know, was sort of uh, excluded. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.